Yo, what's happening, everybody? My name is Anthony Carrenti, and thank you, as always, for checking out another episode of the Dynasty Drive. I appreciate all the support, as always. Have a great episode today to round out this division preview series that we've been working through over the last few weeks. Uh, And before we get into it, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's taken the time to not only listen, but for everybody who's taken the time to come on as a guest We've had a ton of great guests breaking down all these divisions. I'm very, very grateful for all of their time, and I think each one of them provided excellent analysis and insight into each one of these divisions. So on today's show, uh, we have the AFC West. have another great guest for today, John Lobb, the Gridiron Scholar. John does awesome work with football diehards, um, does awesome work on the, the draft seminar with NFL Draft Bible. Uh, He's one of my favorite people to listen to from an analysis standpoint, especially for uh, college football, for Debbie, Uh, but he knows the AFC West as good as anybody, and he had some awesome stuff to say about each one of these teams, so we're going to get into that. Uh, It's another conversation that runs about 45 minutes or so. Uh, We'll get right into it, but just a quick reminder, just like we've said for the last couple weeks, this episode of the Dynasty Drive is brought to you again by Thrive Fantasy, so If you haven't already, come on, prop up on Thrive Fantasy this football season. If you need to know, Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports uh, and esports app based off player props. With Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. So what you do is you choose 10 out of the 20 available player props to build out your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over $140,000 in guaranteed prizes uh, for week one and has awarded over $4 million total. There's a featured $100,000 guaranteed contest. It's 20 bucks to enter in week one. First place is going to take home 20 grand. I'm still looking through some of these props. Another one here, Juju Smith-Schuster for the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Buffalo Bills in week one. The line is 65 and a half total receiving yards. I'm leaning the over on that one. I think Juju is going to be more involved than some people think. So we'll see what happens there. But if you haven't already, head on over to Thrive Fantasy. Use the promo code THEDRIVE, all caps, T-H-E-D-R-I-V-E when you sign up today. And you'll receive a 100% instant first deposit match up to 100 bucks. So download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. So here's our conversation with John Lobb breaking down everything in the AFC West. All right, joining me on tonight's episode of the podcast is John Lobb. John does some awesome work with Football Diehards, co-host of the Draft Seminar with NFL Draft Bible. You can follow him on Twitter at GridironScholl91. The Gridiron Scholar, John Lobb in the house. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. We are four days away. It might be three by the time you hear this for week zero of the college football season. I know it's only six games, but I don't think I've been this excited for six games, you know, in so long. I mean, I can't wait. And then the NFL is about two and a half, three weeks away, depending on that Thursday night game. So that's exciting. I mean, ever since I was a kid, September is always a dual-edged sword because football was here, 
But unfortunately, school started. So, right? Like you were so happy in eighth grade that you were football's back. But then you're like, ah, I got to go to school, right? And now that I'm a teacher, I still go, ah, I got to go back to work. So I, I've had my whole lifetime of that feeling. But definitely the goodness outweighs the badness. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you making some time to join us and talk AFC West as we kind of round out these division previews that we've been rocking on through the show. So we'll get right into it and start with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, there's not a lot to not like about the Chiefs. You know all the production you're going to get. We know how great Pat Mahomes is. We know how great Tyreek Hill is. But there are some interesting things. And I think like after people in the redraft space and even people who invested real early in dynasty rookie drafts and Clyde Edwards, Alaire felt, I think a little burnt last year, even though he really all things considered had a not terrible rookie year. It's just, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't what everybody worked themselves into a lather over once he ended up in Kansas city, but let's start there. What do you expect for Edwards, Alaire year two in this offense uh, with the chiefs? You know, it's interesting. I look back and remember, he had that meteoric rise. He, I think he was like a first-round draft pick by the t by about this time last year, especially in high-stakes leagues and, and many, many redraft leagues. Now, I got lucky. I was not willing to pay the first-round draft capital. I, I, was, I had more Jonathan Taylor than I did Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And there was almost no way – that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was going to reach the expectations of the faithful. We had heard about, um, you know, Andy Reid running backs, and we know, you know, he's had some very special ones over the years. Brian Westbrook, Lashady McCoy, Lashady McCoy, Lashawn McCoy. But he, he lacked a certain trait. One was goal line and short yardage. That was a factor heading into last year's fantasy drafts. He did not show it on film. He is a little undersized. He's, he's a running back who excels in space. So, like, I thought his touchdown totals were capped. And when you're drafting a first-round running back, in my opinion, after 33 years of playing college or all fantasy football, college and NFL, you want an upside of 14 touchdowns out of your running back. That's how I look at it. And I didn't see a path to that many touchdowns with Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, all those weapons, and Patrick Mahomes will steal a few goal line carries here and there. So I got a little lucky. Now, ironically, I think this year he's actually had a pretty decent ADP. You know, it's a fear investment. You are buying a player that many are down on, I still think he's a top-level NFL back. Last year at 803 yards on only 181 attempts. 13 games played. If he gets to 16 games and he gets 220 carries, you're looking at a 1,000-yard back. The question to me is, can he score 10 touchdowns? I don't think he can, but he could score eight. I just don't think he's a goal line type of player. Now, I know analytic guys who will state that, you know, goal line isn't a skill. There's no such thing as a short yardage in a goal line. Now, maybe mathematically that is true, but they never watched Marcus Allen. They never <laughs> seen some of the great goal line backs. If Walter Payton, 
There, there are clearly players that in short yardage situations, they know how to find the smallest of creases. They can leap over the pile. Like there's this innate sense of how to get across the goal line. I don't know if Clyde Edwards-Alaire has that. Some of it might be limitations athletically, right? If you're going to jump over the pile like Walter Payton, Marcus Allen, you need a certain height, athletic ability, size, because you you might get ripped in the middle of the jump. I don't think that's Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I love him as a second back. I think he should get 1,000 yards. And let's see what he had for receptions. He had, ooh, nice, 54 targets. If he could take an uptick to like 65, 75 targets, you have a great second back on your team right now. But I don't think he's in a position to be a top 12 number one runner. I agree with the touchdowns. It's it's hard for me to see a world where he runs for 10 plus scores. I, I think that I have him statted out for six touchdowns on the ground and, you know, just over a thousand yards and the uptick in receiving work. Like you just said, yeah. um, I agree. A guy that I would feel great about if he's my number two. Um, oh. But yeah, everybody, I think kind of worked themselves into a lather. Ironically, they worked themselves into a lather last year for what they should have been working themselves into a lather over what Jonathan Taylor could have been. <laughs> but that's a, that's a different story. Yeah. Um, Aside from the running back position, the I guess the only other things that are like lingering questions for me with the Chiefs are I'm not a huge believer in Miko Hardman like finally breaking out. I think what we've seen from him is kind of what he is, a more useful player for NFL purposes than he is for fantasy purposes. But and not to slight this guy, but I'm just getting to the point where I'm not expecting Travis Kelsey to be bad. But I am starting to wonder, like, how long can this go on for? So do you have any concerns about Travis Kelsey, you know, sustaining his dominance as like the reigning tight end one from now until forever, what it feels like? And is there anybody else outside of Tyreek Hill that you're in on pass catching wise for the Chiefs? I was looking at Travis Kelsey back in June when I was doing my rankings. Five straight seasons of a thousand yards, my friend. It's incredible. Six straight seasons of over 100 targets. And the one with the least amount of targets was 2015 when he had 100. Since then, his lowest total is 117. The numbers are crazy. Like he's, look, I can make an argument he's better than Gronk now, career-wise. And people would probably think that's a nutty take. But if you look at his consistency, reliability, And, you know, I'm a big believer that being on the field is a skill. That I mean, some players have it, some don't. Travis Kelsey has never missed more than one game in a season. Yeah, it's incredible. Incredible, dude. Now, and at a very violent position. We know they they get hit nearly every play, right? Because he's blocking in the run game. And he's getting hit going down the field constantly at the line of scrimmage, makes the catch, gets tackled. So do I still have him at number one? Yes. But doesn't the streak have to end somewhere? I'm not sure if it's this year. He's 31 years of age. With I don't know if there's ever been a tight end. And I've seen Kellen Winslow. I've seen Shannon Sharp. I've seen Antonio Gates. I don't think anyone's ever had seven straight 1,000-yard seasons. I don't even think it'd be close. 
because Shannon Sharp and Gates and those and even Gronk would miss a year, right? Yeah. They would have two straight thousand and then miss one. So this streak is unbelievable. I'll say this. If he stays healthy, knock on wood, he gets the thousand yards and everything that we're used to. Sure. The question is, in a violent game where injuries are the norm, how much longer can this Iron Man stay healthy? Eventually, Father Time catches up with every NFL player. Hey, I'm not banking on it yet, yeah. but I don't in Dynasty, I know this might sound crazy. I would probably trade him now because you're going to get the most for him than you're going to get. Everyone's talking about it, the unfair advantage at tight end. Everyone's talking about he's a first-round pick and redraft. People want to acquire him. Now's the time to sell him in, in Dynasty. Once he slips to like 800 yards, Anthony's Dynasty value is going to It's pump. over. Yeah. It's over, right? And I would rather trade a year early than trade a year late. I mean, I know at least on my teams, I've gotten stuck with dead assets. I, I have sure. Emmanuel Sanders, and you're like, man, I can't even get a fourth-round pick for him. No, one I wants. just dropped Todd Gurley somewhere. <laughs> there you go, right? So we've Still all been on. there. Um, so Kelsey's definitely the guy you want to you know, think about moving in Dynasty. I would expect a 1,000-yard season again. I mean, bar if he's healthy, the targets will be there. The receptions will be there, and the yards will be here. Second question, Miko Hardman was not a big Hardman fan coming out of Georgia. I've been criticized. I'm not a big – these Georgia receivers always get so much hype. And, Anthony, I'm not, a, I'm not a Georgia receiver guy. If you've known me for eight years, if you've been following my stuff, I never have Georgia receivers ranked high. I hear I heard about Ridley was being as unbelievable. <laughs> I always hear how unbelievable Georgia receivers are. And they never do anything in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. And, and I like George Pickens too, but now he has a cat, you know, an injury that's yeah. catastrophic. So who knows right now? I traded my shares of George Pickens. I was out. <laughs> you give me Georgia and a season ending injury, I'm out. So Am I surprised that this is me, Cole Hartman? No. I don't think he should have ever been in the second round. I had a fourth-round grade on him. Third round, I understand the, the desire for speed in the NFL. And remember, when the Chiefs took him, Tyreek Hill was questionable. We, I'm not going to get into those legal issues, and that's a whole different challenge. I don't. This is fantasy football. Miko Hartman was a possible replacement because of the elite skill set. I've never seen anyone like Tariq Hill. So stop trying to replace him. Stop trying to find him in the draft, people. He's special. That's why he, it's like Antonio Brown. They're special. You yeah. don't get that type of player. All that said, if you look at his numbers, if he wasn't drafted where he was, my friend, in the second round by the Chiefs, so all of a sudden, everything exploded with expectations. He's been all right. If he was a fourth-round pick, like if he or drafted like Darnell Mooney coming out of Tulane, people would be like, oh, yeah. Rico Hardman, right? But he was a chief. He was a second-round pick, an SEC speedster, right? He's got... 67 receptions for 1,098 yards and 10 touchdowns in two years. That's not bad. 
Yeah. I've acquired some Nicole Hardman. I've done, let me think, eight best ball. No, eight redraft and six best ball. So that's 14 teams. I was going through the numbers. I believe I had five meet Cole Hardman, and I think four of them are in best ball. And I'll tell you why. In the 11th round, 12th round, I'm only looking for home run hitters. I'm not looking for consistency. I've yeah, sure. got my consistency on the starting lineup, dude. I've got my players. I'm looking for the next guy who's going to explode. Is it reasonable? No. Is it within the realm of possibility that Miko Hardman has 900 yards receiving seven touchdowns? Yes. With Patrick Mahomes throwing the football, that's now I'm not likely to happen, but I'll take that in the 11th or 12th round. I do not ever expect a 1200 yard season. 510, 187. He just cannot be the alpha male getting peppered with the number of targets. Look at his targets. Only 103. So if he takes a mild uptick from 62 last year to 78, he I mean, how much can a 5'10", 187 pounder, if you're not Antonio Brown, yeah. if you're not Tyreek Hill, you just aren't going to be peppered with that many targets. Your body just wasn't built to be that 130 reception guy. Yeah, it's a great point. And I to your point, I do love him in best ball because Yeah, he's like, so good. Yeah, swing for swing for the massive monster weak upside that you'll because undoubtedly, like in redraft or dynasty, it's just too hard to predict when he'll randomly go off for you know a buck twenty and two or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I'll is. throw him in best ball lineups all day long. <laughs> in, in a redraft, my only hope is I think there's one week, like, is it week 13 or something where there's so many player teams? Oh, off? yeah, it's like 13 or 14. Yeah, like, yeah. so you, I'm hoping the one week where I have to play them because I have people on the bench, right, that then you get you get lucky, right? You hit the daily double. Hardman has, you know, 100 yards and a touchdown on four or five receptions. But yeah. that's asking for luck, right? You're, you started them because <laughs> I need a desperation play here. I forget which week it is, but whichever week it is, all of those players are on my Scott Fishbowl team. Like my team is just devastated that barren. There's going to be nobody. To, I'm flexing kickers. Flexing You're not kickers. alone because I've noticed. I think one or two of my teams are like that. <laughs> well, let's talk the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the thing that kind of jumps off the page for me is I, I'm so interested to see what happens with these second year wide receivers. In, uh, with the Raiders this year. I loved Brian Edwards last year. Uh, he's somebody that I ended up with a ton of exposure to because he was going late enough. I love the skill set. Now we're getting you know all the hype puff pieces throughout summer. They're comparing them to Terrell Owens and you know they're featuring him in the red zone. And so but it's not to slight Henry Ruggs. I to about Henry Ruggs, I to an extent, I guess, kind of related to how I feel about Miko Hardman, but I think Ruggs is a better player. But I think Ruggs and I've kind of felt this way throughout the whole draft process when he was coming out was he was always going to be a better NFL player than he was going to be a fantasy asset. Um, so same kind of thing. It's just, it's too hard for me to know when I can rely on him. I know that there was the, the news a couple of weeks ago, he, you know, put on muscle, but I feel like, you know, you see a couple of those stories every off season. So what do you think about these second-year guys in the Raiders wide receiver group? Are you a believer in Edwards or Ruggs, or are you just kind of fading them? I like the 
opportunity that Edwards has in front of him. I was lower on rugs and consensus by a lot. I think I had him at number six the year he came out. Oh, I was I had T Higgins ahead of him. I had um, Justin Jefferson ahead of him. Uh, I, I'm trying oh, oh, Judy clearly ahead of him. So I was shocked when he went number one. You imagine if the Raiders had ju- had drafted Jefferson, Judy, or C.D. Lamb. I mean, think about what a colossal failure that that pick has turned out to be. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really that's the turning of of an organization. It's so that's true. a colossal fail failure. You could have gotten C.D. Lamb in the first and Darnell Mooney in the sixth and had the better football team right now. But that's yeah. a different story for a different day. And this, you know, I get speed, but speed without NFL talent doesn't do you too well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recall my old man genes here. <laughs> One thing that happened that changed the NFL, if you don't remember in the 60s, there was an Olympic sprinter named Bob Hayes. And Bob Hayes ended up in Dallas under Tom Landry. And Bob Hayes might be the greatest like sprinter to transition to football. Part of it was Dallas was so far ahead in their scheming and the way Tom Landry used Bob Hayes. Plus, Bob Hayes was good at football. People always forget about that with speed. And then I'll never get this as a kid. The Jets drafted a sprinter named Johnny Lamb Jones. I think he was the third pick in the draft coming out of Texas, folks. And I don't even know if Anthony's laughing with me. Or if he actually remembers the name. I'm but a Jets Johnny fan. So. <laughs> what, he, what did you say? I'm a Jets fan. So I know oh, how bad was Johnny Lamb Jones, dude? <laughs> so, and I mean, from just look at recently, John Ross. I mean, why? And then who was the guy the Colts took in the first round at the end of the draft? Philip Dorsett, was that it? Yeah, Philip Dorsett. I'm like, did, I, when they took him, did they see the tape at Miami? Please. <laughs> I mean, we can go on and on, yet you have to have football ability. So I'm not even convinced that this myth that, oh, he's a better football player. Yeah, I get it. He attacks the safeties. But at one point, when he doesn't get open one-on-one, he doesn't attack the safeties. We don't have to have the safety over the top. This guy can't play football. He can't get <laughs> off the line of scrimmage. We bump him. We move him inside. He's done. So that's like you got to get a guy to play football. I'm I have no shears in dynasty of Henry Ruggs, not one. I don't have Henry Ruggs in a keeper league. I haven't drafted Henry Ruggs once all off season. I don't have him in a best ball. I got him <laughs> nowhere. Not zippa, nada, nothing. So that I, I think I've explained where I am on Henry Ruggs. Edwards, I've got a few shears. Because Derek Carr is better than people think, and he's not a Super Bowl quarterback. I totally agree, though. You know, he gets gets trashed, and he's really – it's not even like – it's not even a situation where you're like, oh, he's good, but he's not a good fantasy quarterback. He's a decent fantasy quarterback. No, he is. In the right (laughs) matchups, he's a good fantasy quarterback. In a super flex, I love having Derek Carr as my third quarterback. Agreed. I, I mean, he's great. You know what the problem with Derek Carr is? He's the 22nd best quarterback when there's only 32 men on the planet who can play quarterback. Mm -hmm. The problem is Derek Carr. You can't really get rid of him. 
Yeah. But you know you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Like it's it's like just a really it's like having a nice car that's six years of age. You <laughs> like the car, it's got eighty thousand miles. Uh, it's, fine. To, it's fine. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. I don't have to pay to fix it. It gets good mileage. You know, I don't have a I don't have Sirius XM satellite, but I got a radio. <laughs> you know, it's got air conditioning. You're like, ah, and and no one's going to give you the value on it, right? So. I can't go out and just return the car and get another car unless I'm willing to pay a lot of money, right? I'm willing. So that's Derek Carr. So I like Edwards because if Derek Carr is going to be good again, and I think he's thrown over 22 touchdowns the last two years in a row. Yep. I mean, he had seven touchdowns last year. I mean, that is not a terrible quarterback. Yeah. Oh, so here it is. Wow. Wow. 32 touchdowns in 2015. Yeah. 32, 28, 22, 19, 27, 21. So with those numbers, and I did like Brian Edwards coming out of South Carolina. Big, strong, physical, young breakout age, terrible quarterback play at South Carolina. Mm -hmm. I do favor big wide receivers. You know, I, I get it. Some people want the quick separation. So there's a lot, you know, but we've seen big receivers succeed. I don't think he's as talented as Cortland Sutton. I don't think he's as, as athletic, but with his body and his size and with him being Robin to Darren Waller's Batman, I think Edwards could be good because Edwards in one-on-one -on -one situations against defensive backs can beat them if he's on the field. Darren Waller, you have to deal with the safety or a linebacker on top of him, double, almost double team him. So what should that do? It should leave Brian Edwards in advantageous matchups. Plus, you do have rugs, and, you know, he can run a vertical nine route on you. So you still have to deal with that. I like Edwards. He's the guy I've been targeting. I think I saw I have four shears of Edwards. So at the right time in draft, I love him as a fifth receiver on a team. You know, yeah, I, get him as a sixth receiver that's in best ball, totally cool with that. Because he has, let me see what his size is listed on the Raiders here. I know he's big. 6'3", 212. I mean, the fifth, yeah. that's, you know. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and, and let's go. I mean, I'm, I'm biased towards the big boys. But, yeah, so I do like Edwards. Yeah, me too. He's. I agree. If you can – have him on your roster as you know your fifth wide receiver. The upside is still tantalizing enough that it's it's worth holding him. And I, I think I have one dynasty share of Henry Ruggs, and it's like you can't do anything with it. Nobody no, else wants it. Nobody like, wants it. <laughs> you can't get any kind of value for it. Like during rookie drafts, you're like, hey, Henry Ruggs is available. If anybody, they're like, yeah, well, yeah. Good luck with your Henry Ruggs. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about uh, some receiving weapons on the Los Angeles Chargers because we were talking big receivers and somebody I've really come around on this year and I've liked him in the past and maybe I'm ready to get hurt again or hopefully, you know, knock on wood, he doesn't get hurt again. But Mike Williams for the Chargers is somebody that I'm, I'm, I think notably higher than consensus on this year. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I think, Justin Herbert has a chance to go nuclear. Like I think he can have an absolutely fantastic year and Keenan Allen is going to eat. He's a yeah, fantastic Allen, yeah. player. Um, but I think if Mike Williams 
can stay healthy, can stay on the field. I think this passing offense can be so prolific this year that he is drafted in seasonal or redraft leagues. He's a total afterthought, you know, a late round guy, stash him on the end of your bench. And I think if he can stay healthy, he has a legitimate shot to finish as a top 24 wide receiver. I really believe that in my heart because I know that he, the consistency hasn't been there, but he has a season of double digit touchdowns. He has a season of a thousand yards. I think this could be the year that, you know, contract year, he finds a, a, a big, a big performance and hopefully gets himself paid, whether it's there someplace else. Um, the running game, I'm higher than consensus on Mike Williams. I'm lower than consensus on Austin Eckler. I I think I'm like notably, uh, not Austin Eckler guy. And it's not that I hate the player. Uh, I just think that it's tough for me to believe that he's going to produce in a way that he's really only done once before. Um, every year we kind of go down this road of Austin Eckler is going to be an RB one. And it happened that one time when Philip Rivers threw him the ball a billion times and he stayed healthy. But other than that, he's always either banged up or doesn't get the usage. And I know that there's a young quarterback and we are projecting it the same way. And the projections tell a different story than how I really feel about him. Because when I project it out, I'm like, oh, maybe I do like Austin Eckler more than I think. (laughs) But in my heart, I'm like, it's not going to end up there, though. So two things about the Chargers. Are you in on Mike Williams? And who's the guy to monitor behind Eckler? Because even if Eckler does stay healthy, they're not going to give him 250 carries. So who's getting the carries behind Eckler? Larry Roundtree, Joshua Kelly. Who do you like in that running back group? I'll answer the Mike Williams first, then we'll talk about the running back group. Uh, I remember Mike Williams all the way back in college fantasy football. And I think it was 2015 when he caught the ball in the end zone and he hurt himself really bad in the opening game on the, yeah. on the end, zo- end zone goal post. And I was devastated because I had him on like. That was scary. Oh, yeah, dude. It was very scary. I had him on like two teams. And then he came back, you know, rose all the way up. He was his seventh pick overall. And I think I had him at number two that year in the wide receiver in my rankings in 2017 coming out. 6'4", 218. I mean, please. And they had produced Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins. It looked like he was the next great star. Hey, then he had the 10 touchdowns as a second-year player. Then he had 1,000 yards in third year. And then nothing makes sense with last year, Anthony. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, (laughs) Herbert exceeded all expectations, right? No one thought that Herbert was – we were thinking Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. And we kind of – I mean, I felt that Herbert would get a shot by the end of the year, you know, maybe around week eight or nine. Um, And think about how NFL history was changed because a medical trainer shot up Tyrod Taylor with a bad drug and he couldn't play. (laughs) Here's the crazy part, Anthony. If that trainer doesn't screw up, does Justin Herbert get on the field? Isn't that crazy? Like the total like butterfly effect. Like (laughs) Like it's insanity, dude. (laughs) Like he got on the field because a trainer shot up Tyrod Taylor incorrectly with a painkiller. And they're like, oh, shit, we got to play the rookie. (laughs) I mean, they had no – that coaching staff had no interest in playing Tyrod Taylor. I mean, Justin Herbert. And then they're like, 
Whoa, we just found freaking gold. <laughs> like, so seriously, true. there was no talk. I mean, I remember it must have came across like 11 o'clock or something. That Sunday morning, they're like, oh, yeah, Terrod Taylor's not going to play me and Justin Herbert. I'm like, what? Right? I mean, and then boom. So, obviously, at that moment, I'm thinking Mike Williams. Right? Wow. Especially by week five when everyone was like, this Herbert something special. And Mike Williams didn't blast off, dude. I don't get it. Yeah. He had an all-world quarterback. I mean, think about how much better Justin Herbert was than Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers had a PP gun. He could barely throw that ball. <laughs> right? And yeah. Mike Williams is a deep threat with size who you can throw the ball. If he's one-on-one 40 yards down the field, throw the ball to Williams. So uh, he is one of the few players, in, and as a fantasy guy for 31 years, you have a right to be neutral on a player. I'm neutral. I don't yeah. know what to make out of him anymore. Loved him at Clemson. Second-rated draft prospect. His resume from a career standpoint is as perplexing as I've ever seen. 1,000 yards, double-digit touchdowns. Great, great quarterback. Played with a possible Hall of Famer, and he's all over the place. Like, so I, I think I have one share. He was sitting around in like round 14 of a best ball way back in May or something like that. So I grabbed him because it just became obvious that I got to take a Justin Herbert player at that point. I think there is a time in the draft where his value warrants a draft pick. But when I think we all do, at least I do, you, you have certain players you target and like in certain rounds. And I never see Mike Williams. I'm never looking at my sheet. I'm never looking at my rankings and saying, yes, he's the next guy I want. Like, I, there have been times with me, Cole Hardman, when you're in round 12, I'm like, ooh, he's the next guy I want. I never say that about Mike Williams. So if you like him, I got nothing. Fourth receiver, tethered to Justin Herbert, absolutely fine with it. I get it. But I just – he's always left me wanting more as a player. And when you think about him as a seventh pick overall in the draft, ooh, <laughs> I mean, it really is shocking. But so he's too incon wildly inconsistent, and I don't have answers because he looks talented as heck sometimes. Yeah. And then there's games where he literally might have, what, four targets and you'll get nothing. He doesn't even catch one. You know, I'm exaggerating or using hyperbole for effect, but like you're like, what happened to Mike Williams today? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the crazy thing is, I and I didn't even like make a point of it early in the offseason, but I feel like I've acquired an incredible amount of dynasty shares of Mike Williams <laughs> because, and like I didn't even seek it out, but everybody just kind of treats him like, ah, I'll throw in Mike Williams. You know what I mean? Like, wow. Mike That's Williams. a good dynasty pickup if you get him as a throw-in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like yeah. not even a throw-in, but it's like but, and I, I kind of part of me kind of hates to even say like, you know, buy low because we just beat it into the ground and say it about a billion yeah, yeah. different players. But the what the cost was, whether it be it in drafts or in trades all off season, and the consistency has been maddening. But man, if it hits this year, so it's just like, 
it wasn't a plan. And then I'm looking at my rosters. I'm like, oh yeah, we got a ton of Mike Williams exposure here. (laughs) (laughs) But to your point about like looking at your rankings or looking at the sheet, I just did a redraft league the other day. We're going through our draft and, you know, based on rankings and projections, like I have Mike Williams as, uh, I'll pull it up real quick, but yeah, yeah, he's high. Like I have him, Mike Williams is my wide receiver 24 based on wow. so obviously I would say this, it must be tethered to Justin Herbert excellence. Yes. Yeah. I, Cause if I have, you think Herbert's going to be excellent, then the targets have to go somewhere. Yeah. I've got Justin Herbert. I, I think he's going to throw for almost 5,000 yards. I think he's going to go. I mean, then, that, then your expectations are not unreasonable. Yeah. And you know, maybe it doesn't work out, but, um, but to your point, like we're going through the draft, and of course, Mike Williams is the guy that's jumping off the page because it's like rounds have gone by. I have him <laughs> here, but it's still like oh, I want to draft Mike Williams. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me see one. I want to see what the high stakes ADP. Give me one second here. Yeah. Um, where's that resource that I use on football diehards? I hate when you can't find. Um, ah, here it is. ADP high stakes. Let me go to let's see what the the ADP on high stakes league says. So Mike Williams, Mike Williams, Miko Hardman is 98 overall. So I'm going to assume that Mike Williams is below him. But ah, nope, that's Tyrell Williams. Oh my god, I can't even find him right now. <laughs> um, either I missed him. What we're that we were going to talk about Austin Eckler next, right? Yes. Looking. Um, well, I can't even find him. He's either really, really low or my brain just can't find him when you have a list of 100 names. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, you just scroll past him a billion times. Like, I mean, he can't be in the down. top 30, can he? No. No. Oh, there he is. 41, 41st wide receiver, which is higher than I thought. Yeah. 83rd overall in high stakes leagues. Okay. See, so the problem is like why I, I'm Jarvis Landry. Darnell Mooney. I like Michael Gallup more early when I thought Dak was 100% healthy. Yeah. We can talk, that's a different podcast for a different conference. Um, you know, me, Cole Hardman. So that's why I don't have a lot of them at the time, but I see where he fits into that upside. I think people are looking for upside. And if you like Justin Herbert, you're right. That's why. Yeah. yeah. Um, Austin Eckler. The only reason I loved him back in May when he was a second round pick. Like, in my first six drafts, I think I had four shears of Austin Eckler. I can't get him now because I won't pay first-round pick on him. Yeah, I, I just can't do it. I have so much. I think those teams are Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, and then it was like Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson. I can't get Gibson anymore, and I can't get Eckler anymore. <laughs> and the reason why I like, because I thought they were unbelievable at like pick 17, 18, 19 for PPR running backs. With Eckler, it's about Joe Lombardi. I'm not convinced Eckler's a great running back. Obviously, he's NFL caliber, undrafted free agent. I mean, I can't, what he's done as a UDFA out of Western Colorado is amazing. But 5 ton, 200 pounds doesn't like, oh my God, he's not the biggest guy. He's quick, he's elusive, but I, I don't think he's like, oh, so fast. You know, he doesn't blow me away. He's a very good football player, though. 
He's a very good football. I think his, his natural instincts and running skills are unbelievable. But he only gets his career high is 132 carries. That's not a ton of carries. When you are drafting Austin Eckler, and why I like him as a second-round pick, is the targets, 108 in 2019 and 65 targets in 10 games last year. I mean, and then he brings in Joe Lombardi, who we know with the Saints, with Alvin Kamara, he's going to target the running backs. And then you have a great quarterback. So I do like Eckler. I do think he's a little bit high right now. I like Nick Chubb, and most people, I'd rather have Chubb because the same thing I heard about Derrick Henry in 2019 is the exact same thing I'm hearing about Nick Chubb now. And I don't care, folks. You give me a 1,600-yard back with 15, 16 touchdowns, <laughs> I don't That'll care. That'll get it done. <laughs> I don't care if he catches passes, brother. And here's the thing. I think the Browns are super talented. I think they're one of the most talented teams in the NFL. I think yeah, I they're in the, that offensive line is unbelievable. And Nick Chubb is a great talent. So when I get a great uh, uh, top five offensive line, top five running back on a, a team that could go to the AFC championship game, yum, yum. I mean that. So I, I have more Chubb than Eckler, but in a PPR I get the love of Eckler. I just don't want to pay top. I've seen him go like number five and sometimes. Yeah. I can't Too do rich. that. Hey, I'd rather have Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. Now, I, hey, second round, I was all in, dude. But I think he's gone too high for me right now. I'm looking for value. And if you if, if I wanted Devontae Adams, I'd take him over Austin Eckler. That's, you know, that's the other challenge, you know, like – when you're looking at Eckler, normally I would say, what's your, oh, what's his ADP? Let me see. I bet you he's top 10. Let's see what the, I only like high stakes now. Yeah. That ADP. So he's number nine overall. Oh, Man, you know, I hate that so much. <laughs> you know, it's hard for me to pass up Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, De De Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs. It's hard to take Austin Eckler over those guys. Really hard, and it's very this, hard is my, my book. this is my problem with him. It's not like yes, it's not I, him. It's not him. It's not that I dislike him as a player. I think he's a good player, and think that at the right value, he is like undoubtedly a fantasy asset. Yeah, my problem is the fantasy community at large loves him so much more than it feels like I do. That he gets propelled to this top ten ADP spot, and it's like I cannot, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot invest I in him at that. It's it's so it's too crazy to me because I agree. I'd rather have somebody like Derrick Henry. I'd rather have uh, man. It's tough to pass up on a lot of people there. All those receivers, like you said, if you want to start the run there, it doesn't work for me. But let's talk about a receiver that I love on the Denver Broncos and have banged the drum for all off season as like a clear go trade for Jerry Judy before it gets too expensive to go trade for Jerry Judy because all off season long, all through summer, Jerry Judy was getting drafted in startups like a fringe wide receiver three. Like it was incredible how late you could draft Jerry Judy. And I really believe that like this time next year, this is somebody that we're looking at way differently. Like valued like a fringe wide receiver one like a high-end wide receiver two like i think he could have that big of a season 
The talent is without question there. Anytime one of these highlights from preseason or training camp comes on where he's cooking somebody in the open field, um, it's a smash retweet for me because I don't know why everybody bailed on Jerry Judy after this guy had you know almost 900 receiving yards in a bad in a year with bad quarterback play, COVID, all that stuff. Everybody bailed on Jerry Judy too early. People are hopping back on the bandwagon. How good can Jerry Judy be this year? Does it depend on quarterback play? Does it matter if it's Locke or Teddy? What do you think happens with Judy? And I guess end the quarterback position for the Broncos. I'll tell you this right now. I mentioned I have 14 drafts in the book with teams. I have Judy on 10 of them. I'm all in. I love it. I love it. In in the Football Diehards magazine, I always do their bold predictions columns, and and they always ask you to write a paragraph, and I did mine on my must-have player. And it was Jerry Judy, and I wrote that back in May. He was second among rookies in targets, dude, with 113. Do you know the only rookie you had more? It's pretty obvious if you think about it. Who's the only guy who would have had more? Jefferson. That's it. Yeah. He had more targets than everyone else. But people don't think about that because, unfortunately, he dropped some. But, you know, the irony about that is he didn't have drops on record at Alabama. Nope. And, and most of those drops came in one game. He had a very bad day. Anyone can have a bad day, especially a rookie in COVID, right? All of this. So you look at 52 receptions. That's the raw number, but you have to look deeper. 113 targets. So the coaching staff loved them. The quarterbacks loved them. They didn't care about all that. The coaching staff put him out there. They called his number and the quarterback threw it to him. Now it might have been wildly inaccurate, you know, and all that. So when the quarterbacks love him, the coaching staff loves him. I'm all in because I loved him. I had him at number one. Yeah. I had him. At, I had him ahead of CD Lamb, and maybe I'm wrong on that in the long run. But I think they're both freaking great. But I did have Judy ranked number one coming out. So I looked at uh, then context. Remember they played the game against the Saints. Remember their quarterback? He threw two passes, <laughs> and I don't think Judy had a pass target yeah. in that game. So he had 113 targets in 15 games with no receptions and no yards. If they have any quarterback, and I'm not trying to be mean, the kid was a taxi squad special teamer. He probably has 900 yards receiving, and he has 120 targets, my friend. So when I – and then the quarterback play was below par. It was below par. Look at some of these numbers. Jeff Driscoll threw 64 passes. Brett Rippon threw 40. Kendall Hilton. Oh, my God, dude. Kendall Hilton completed one pass. If any uptick in efficiency at the quarterback position, Judy skyrockets, dude. Yeah. Skyrockets. And I don't even need a huge uptick. Just a little bit more efficiency. I agree. Right? (laughs) And what I mean – if you watch more context, and I know there's film grinders, analytics, I try to do both because I love the game of football, so I love watching film. Sure. If you watch Denver film, he was open, dude, all the time. Constantly. <laughs> Constantly. There's so many There's so many instances of this man smoking a defensive yes! like, like literally running down the field, hand in the air, like just – just throw it here. Just yes! just throw it here. And like not even getting a look. Not even incredible. getting a look. Incredible. 
And that's why it never made sense to me all offseason long. I'm like, wow, everybody hates Jerry Judy. <laughs> I, I started out. So this is this is funny. Because I start doing my drafts after the NFL draft. So around, you know, late April, early, early May. And I do a lot of magazine drafts for football diehards. And then I get into some best balls, stuff like that. I originally started dr- drafting Judy in round seven or eight. And people were making fun of me. So then I held off because I had him like in my first three drafts in a row. <laughs> but then he's sitting there in round nine. And I'm like, I got to get Judy again. <laughs> Like, I can't – like, I, I wanted to see what the range was. Like, literally, in experts' drafts, literally, I was waiting to see if anyone else was interested. No one wanted them to. I have a team that is so loaded. On July 4th, this is my wide receiver room. Devontae Adams, I got him in the third round. Stephon Diggs. C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy and T. Higgins on the bench. Because no one wanted Judy. <laughs> I know. I know. I was, I was like, I don't need Jerry Judy. <laughs> but it's round 10. <laughs> like, I've got to draft him. <laughs> right? Like, you're. I, so now it's I, ironically, I do think he's moving up. Let's see. Let's go back to the high stakes league. Because I have noticed lately he seems to go a yeah. little bit higher now. So he's 53rd overall. So what's that? Fifth round. So he has yeah. crept up and Thumbed he's a, a 26 bit. receiver off the board. So it's funny. Now I have three more NFL drafts left, fantasy. And these are all friends leagues. I'm done with all the big boy. I'm done. Now it's just friends for the rest of the year. One league's 33 years of age. I might be able to get Judy in one of those three. Or, I'm sorry, two of those three. Because yeah. they're friends. These aren't like the industry guys, right? They're not yeah. the high-stakes players. But for a while now, I think three of the last four drafts, I haven't gotten Judy because he went off, right, sooner. But, man, dude, until about July 20th, he was basically just a freebie sitting out yeah. there. Yeah, it was like a free square. Like Yeah, you, I think every, you know, every time. I think in all four, the diehards do four magazines, and I, 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 I draft in all their drafts. I think in all four, I got Judy in every magazine drafting. And this is back in we draft in late May, early June, because they come out you know the first two weeks of July. So if you know publishing, I used to be in publishing. You have to do things well in advance. No one wanted them. Yeah. I mean, if Drew Locke or, or Teddy Bridgewater, just is 10% more efficient. And then he plays all 17 games. The numbers are going to be out of control. Yeah, I agree. It's not like it needs to be a totally different situation. It just needs to be a little bit better. A little bit better. uh, A little bit better. Him in his second year. I think there are big, big things coming for Mr. Judy. John, you do some of my favorite work out there. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, please, for anybody who's not following your work or doesn't know where to check out any of your podcasts or, or any of your work that you do, please plug all that stuff so that they can make sure to check it out. Thank you, my friend. And thanks, Anthony, for having me on. I love talking AFC West. It is because I'm a Bronco fan. So all the bye, but it's I never pick a player based on the Broncos. So I just love I love Julia Alabama. Had him in a dynasty college fantasy football league. Had him in a keeper, college, fantasy football. I've been watching this young man for a long time. But all of my written work 
for my draft profiles is on footballdiehards.com. You can get all my profiles. The last, I think the last six years are still up there, but I've been doing it for eight years with the um, website. So you can probably do one of those long time Google searches, see all that, but it's all up there now. Um, I do all the video, the draft seminar with my partner, Matt Hicks on the NFL draft Bible network. It's available on YouTube on the rookie big board channel. Check that out. And throughout the season, I write a DFS column for footballdiehards.com. It comes out once a week. And let me tell you, folks, Jerry Judy is wildly underpriced week one. I think he's (laughs) $4,600. And he's playing the Giants, folks. I was looking at him already. I'm like, hmm. Getting him in the lineups. Yeah. He's (laughs) so underpriced right now. So I was looking at that already. And if you don't know, The Broncos open up with three of the easiest games you could ever imagine people go. I don't remember. Well, let me look quickly here. I do have their schedule. I can flip on the page here. Um, New York, Jacksonville, and the Jets. Dude, good matchups. good. Pretty good. Good matchups for Jerry Judy, (laughs) Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton. Then it gets hard. Baltimore and Pittsburgh are a challenge. Yeah. But but that's normal. You're going to have some tough matchups. Um, but yeah, so that's how you can and follow me on um, Twitter at GridironSkull91. I couldn't afford the A and the R when I signed up, <laughs> so it's GridironSkull91. John, I appreciate it, my friend. We will definitely do this again in the future. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thanks again to John for taking the time to join me on today's show and provide all of the excellent insight he had about the AFC West. And a quick thanks and shout out to everybody who came on as a guest on these division shows. So uh, Connor Rogers, Pete Trena, Tim Torch, Arif Hassan, Rich Causier, uh, Matt McCarthy, Shane Barrett, and of course, John Lobb. Thank you to every single one of them. This was a, a big, big success. I'm very happy with how it turned out. So thank you so much to all of those guys. With this show, that kind of wraps up, puts a bow on these division previews. And we're only a couple weeks away from the NFL regular season. Uh, so we'll squeeze out a couple more shows before week one rolls around. Maybe do some bold predictions, some hot take kind of stuff, nothing too crazy, but just some stuff that I might be a little bit higher on than what the consensus is, and maybe some predictions, things like that, to, to kind of ease us into the season before we start going on week-by-week stuff. But I appreciate all the support, as always. If you're new to the show, if you haven't already, please consider subscribing or following the show. If you could leave a review, rate five stars, that stuff is super appreciated, always means a lot to me. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks. Thanks.